Chio Nagad. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Origin Story Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Owl. Once a month, I ask an artist I respect to introduce me to a piece of work or an artist they love. This month, Stan Merritt introduces me to Roger Zelazny's A Night in the Lonesome October. We are getting towards the end of our little project here, Stan. I want to thank you for doing it. Uh, this was an interesting week of reading. A lot of shit going down. Man, things get thick. <laughs> <don't they? laughs> We are yeah. getting, getting we're getting close. into really some some really uh, the meat on the bones right now, aren't we? Yeah, completely, uh, completely. Yeah. Uh, as again, the just the briefest of recaps. We we last chapter we read and talked about on the podcast was October twentieth, I do believe, and uh, that was when we had the incident towards the very end where uh, Gray Malk and Snuff uh, they meet. Uh, I forgot what they refer to him as, but Frankenstein's a monster. Is who it is, and um, is it the, is it the experiment man at this point? Because I know that he's referred to as that. Um, he yeah, he is. I don't know if they've announced that or that's if it's what I mean. This week's reading or not, um, but okay. yes, that's that that is who we're talking about. And he gives just a little too aggressive of a hug, <laughs> and yeah. that's kind of where we end up. Yeah. Uh, so we start this reading with chapter October twenty first, uh, and we start off. Here, let me just find my notes, actually. That would be helpful. So Snuff goes to Larry, says, hey, go by Lucky. That's right. He had told him that uh, the the lie that, uh, you know, hiding the truth of Larry's uh, condition. Yeah. He's and just so, a big, goofy dog named Lucky. That's right. right. Exactly. Just uh, just go by that. And so then he goes out looking for Greymalk, can't find him, and goes to see Rostov in Quicklime. And what what do we have going on there at their place? Um, well, I mean, Rostov is uh, hitting the bottle again. He's it seems, the again. yeah, yeah. But he's got an, an accessory that he's regarding with great affinity, apparently with him. So he's uh, he's got his icon and a bottle of vodka, and he's uh, no condition to talk, just a veg sitting there in a. A drunken slash uh, meditative state. Who knows? And uh, so, uh, quick climb and snuff talk instead. So exactly. they have a nice little conversation. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting because they're talking about how everything is going to be just out of the open pretty soon here. Uh, you know, you can find, I guess, the people's orientation, whether they're opener or closers, through divination. Right. I don't really know how divination works. Have we? Have they really kind of gone into that, or is that just something we know that some of them can do? That's exactly right. They, they, he's not gone into any detail as to what that means exactly in his words. So, and they throw out in the conversation a little bit of uh, kind of what the aftermath or the the crux might be. At the end here is it's a quote here at the top. It's like it's seldom fifty fifty split of openers and closers. You never know what the disposition will be or who will finally show up. I heard there was once an attempt where everyone withdrew on the last day. Nobody showed. This is wrong too. <laughs> think of what he says. So it's interesting. So I don't. I'm in my head. I'm wondering like so if this all happens and these people, some of them are going to be winners, some of them are losers. Some people are going to die. Some people are going to live. You know, is it like a reincarnation thing where they come back? Does like the openers always lose? The closers always win? So I have these thoughts that I don't want answered just yet, but these are kind of what the stuff that's going through my mind when I read this section. But I tell you, those are great thoughts. I must, I must uh, compliment you, compliment the host on those. Um, yeah, the reincarnation thing is where you, you start wondering if this is a, a cyclical loop kind of a thing, or just what, what the hell is this exactly? Are these players so such permanent fixtures that they're, uh, you know, uh, brought back in different form to continue the battle. It's just all you're I'm with you. I mean, all kinds of speculation at this point. Uh, all right, are they, are they doomed and necessary to repeat right. this till, till the end of the days? See, that's excellent. That's great. That's a great trope. And it's, um, it's still makes my head go crazy. I can't imagine <laughs> being trapped yeah. in a loop like that. Anyway, that's yeah. me. But yeah, so, this is a pretty cool, uh, he, he kind of explains a whole bunch of stuff. He, by correcting quick line, uh, he sort of is just letting us in on the, his past experience, basically, we have the benefit of his past experience, and uh, that's he's been around the block, as we say. So, another opportunity, Zlasny gives another opportunity for one of the characters to explain a whole bunch to us, you know, and and does so in in a, in a entertaining way. Again, not the boring Absolutely. info dump of of a of a writer who sucks. I know, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> been guilty of that before. <laughs> Me too. 
Uh, and then, but then Quicklime tells a f- this story. I think it's kind of great. It's coming up here. Um, basically, Quicklime, what what does he do to another uh, to Needle? <laughs> so, all it took apparently was one experience with the booze for uh, for the the hungover snake to realize, hey man, this is powerful stuff. So <laughs> he straight up gets Needle drunk to uh, to fly him for information. So, uh, Isn't that crazy? Oh, it is. I love that. He's like, yeah. What a, what, a, what a quick learner, though, right? It's like, <laughs> yeah, I can, I can use this. <laughs> so, completely. Yeah. And then, in, and towards the end of their uh, encounter, uh, they kind of just goes down to brass tacks. Here talks about their talking. He goes, uh, "Quick line says, I sometimes think you're a closer, snuff." And our eyes met, and I halted. And at some point, you have to take a chance. I am. I said. And Quicklime's like, damn, we're not alone then. Yeah, no, right. So yeah. that's that's kind of fun, you know. Yeah, that was. That was very fun. Um, just to, you know, people starting to unbreast their cards a little bit because things are getting so intense at this point. I, that's my view. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I there's like- a there's a great paragraph in here. I think you would probably you're probably going to get to it. I may be getting ahead of ourselves, but there's another one of those sort of repose philosophical snuff stops and looks at the world paragraphs. Did you did you notice that one? I may have go go with. I probably had myself. I'm gonna let you lead the. You no, lead no. The tell tell me where you're talking about. Um, uh, I forgot what the page is, but it's it's the sun shone brightly. It starts with um, you have it's just kind of snuff regarding the just kind of sinking into the world for a little while here. Um, is this before or after we get to the the count? This is before the count. Okay. So you want me to read the paragraph? It's really yeah, long. Yeah, please. Or just, yeah, read as much as you like. Well, it starts with uh, the sun shone brightly. This is through Snuff's perspective, obviously. But there were clouds about. And, of course, a goodly cluster off toward the good doctor's place farther south. And there came a bit of a chill with a northerly breeze. We made our way across country through the colors of autumn, browns, reds, yellows. And the ground was damp, though not spongy. Um, see, this very, very intense, but but descriptive, but you know, subtle prose here. It's lovely. Um, this is this next part is what I highlighted. So please, please continue. I, where did I, I leave I off? I do here. dig this. The I inhaled the odors of forest and earth. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Uh, smoke curled from a single chimney in the distance, and I thought about the elder gods and wondered at how they might change things if the way were opened for their return. The world could be a good place or a nasty place without supernatural intervention. We had worked out our own ways of doing things, to find our own goods and evils. Some gods were great for individual ideals to be aimed at, rather than actual ends to be sought. Here and now, as for the elders, I could see no profit in the intercourse with those who transcend utterly. So that's that's thick stuff there. So that's thick we stuff. We a whole lot in those. Yeah, I, I, as I read it, I was like, man, he's he's going through a lot of stuff here. So he's just uh, he's thinking about the whole the whole big picture. Here and these we reference another reference to the elder gods and what's going to happen if they come. That's really kind of the first, maybe one other conversation between Snuff and Gray. We had that, but it's kind of the the first um, touching upon what's going to happen after all this happens, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think you're right. I think it was mentioned kind of once before, but this yeah. is you're right. This is a beautiful passage. It really is pretty. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, what happens after this? Oh, uh, let's see what happens. We. Uh, we're uh, traveling and we do the, the closers thing. We both real they're both closers. And um, he passes that. We have snuff returning home, passing by the great detective again. And you notice that their, their eyes met and held for several long seconds. Yeah, this, this yeah. whole great detective snuff thing. He's so on to him and, or is he, you know, one never knows, but um, so let's see where we go from there. So we're um, heading to the count's crypt. Yes, a couple of trying to trying to find the crap count. We've got you know he's got multiple places to uh, to lie down during the day now, and I think they're trying to figure out them and try to redo some calculations uh, based on that. I believe is where we are. Yeah, and, and so they they make it to one of them, and uh, I love this like rearing up. I placed a four on the casket side and looked down into the interior. <laughs> Quick climb said, "What is it?" And I realized that I made a small woofing sound. And again, <laughs> another, when Snuff is a dog and acts like a dog, a dog, it's very entertaining for me. I agree. I agree. He says the game has grown more serious because what happens? Someone killed the count. There you go. 
How about this? Talk about a monkey wrench, right? right? Someone has killed the count. Who would have thunk? Who yeah. would have thunk? And I guess I do just based on kind of the, the time we've been spending on some of the different characters that the count wasn't going to be. Uh, I guess pres- I presumed he wasn't going to be a huge player, but I did want to see more of him because uh, mm. the two little glimpses we got were just kind of cold and cool and badassery. But I guess, you know, when you're a creature that does have to just hole up during the day, yeah, uh, you're a little defenseless. So I wonder where his gypsies were. They should have been defending him better. Yes. Way to go, minions. Not doing a very good job of protecting their sinister lord. My God. This is why I don't yeah. have minions. You know, you, uh, so you it can't kinda, rely on them. That's right. <laughs> must rely on oneself. But, you know, so it doesn't, it almost doesn't fit, does it? It makes one wonder. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's a little, it's, a, it's interesting. It's yeah. Seems and no strange. sign of needle, as I, re- mm. as I recall. Correct. Um, so where, where do we go from here, Harris? I think we're going to go to the Vickers place again. Yeah. Maybe we're talking about, uh, so yeah, we, we, um, great tell snuff that she's learned that the Vicar has one of the, a a tool for the game at this point, right? Is this where we are? I think so. This is the pentacle bowl. Yes. Yes. Um, and, uh, not just that, but, um, uh, he also has his 13-year-old stepdaughter chained up for use as a sacrifice later on. We're told that very bluntly, right? Right, yeah. It's like yeah, so. <laughs> Lynette, the daughter of the vicar's late wife, Janice, Janet, by Correct. a previous marriage. So, uh, yeah. yeah, which is that's kind of hardcore, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> she's 13, just, virginal sacrifice. Oh, it's going all in on the damsel, damsel in distress as well as the, the whole human sacrifice thing, man. <laughs> he just goes all in on it. Things are getting fucking dark, you know? Yeah. So I don't want to. I don't want to rush this, but later on, remind me because it's. It's. I think it is pretty funny. What? The, What's that? the lack of urgency to to um to free her. Yeah, right. <laughs> it is pretty oh, funny later on. I think. No, I don't. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So yeah. So we're talking. We're talking. We're realizing that. Um. What else is going on here? So then they go. What are they? They go into town. Yeah, they're oh, going to spy on the gypsies. Yeah, we're yeah. Party. And yeah. this is such a cool moment. I, I I got a feeling you you got oh, it's great. happy yeah. about this as well. When we see the great detective interact with the gypsies, and they they hand him the violin, and he plays music. And I, I do want to read part of this just because I, I yeah, love man. him. Yeah, um, this is talking about the great detective here. Abruptly, he halted and took a step, as if suddenly moving out of a dream. He bowed then and returned the instrument to its owner, his movements in that moment entirely masculine. I thought of all the controlled thinking, the masterly developed deductions which had served to bring him here, and then this, this momentary slipping into the wildness he must keep carefully restrained, and then seeing him come out of it, smiling, becoming the woman again. I saw in this the action of enormous will, and suddenly I knew him much better than as the pursuing figure of many faces." Suddenly I knew he had to be learning as we were learning other aspects of the scope of our enterprise, that he could be well be right behind us at the end, that he was almost in some way a player, more a force really in the game. Uh, and I respected him as a few beings of the many I have known. That's probably too long yeah. to read, but it's no, such, no, but that's, it's so yeah, that, last line is, that last line is huge. And that's a really fantastic paragraph. It really. Is. It is lovely. Again, game recognizing game. Which yeah. I can't remember that how, how delightful that is. Yeah, I know. Uh, right. For a reader. It's, yeah, it really is. It truly is. Badass recognizes badass, and they both recognize that there's a badder ass out there. You know, it's just it's it's, it's fantastic. And uh, but you know, we see the um, we see the great detective slip here, don't we? And uh, it's it's all because this is one of the beautiful things about this scene. He gets lost in the music. It's truly what it is. The music takes him over, and he just he, his ruse fails on him. He's being so genuine at the moment that he's what is it? Completely or wholly masculine? Is that what how? Uh, yeah yeah so it's a great it's a great scene on multiple levels it so, really yeah, is it's, it, it's notwithstanding almost, go ahead i'm sorry no go please ahead. please i forgot what i was gonna say you go ahead uh it's almost like by showing him slipping it the greater uh illustrates how much restraint he always has it's like the exception right. is proving the rule that's exactly right yeah when you see someone in their raw condition as opposed to their polished condition it's really you know you understand the effort it takes to get polished, right? And uh, it just, you get this respect, this almost really human 
you know, uh, level of respect with, from snuff at that point. And, uh, it's, yeah, there's some and showing, you know, showing a weakness really humanizes this guy. And, but at the same time lifts, elevates him, you know, to snuff to our, our narrator and hero. So yeah, it's a neat scene. Contradiction. Really yeah. Shenanigans with the gypsies, man. They party. They party. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, that closes out the chapter. We, we go yeah. to chapter October 22nd and, uh, so Snuff sees he sees Linda and you know who is the great detective visiting Larry's again. Uh, kind of makes he questions to himself whether he should say something, and this is this is getting to be a little pet peeve of mine in narrative storytelling. Um, tell me, tell me what it is. I don't like it when a large uh, plot point or conflict could be solved just by somebody releasing a piece of information uh, that they're not releasing. Hmm. So when they when just like a one little sentence of communication, and again, I don't know that this is going to turn into a big thing or not. No, no, no. This reminds me of other things that I've read. And I'm just like, you know, all you got to do is just say it. Just tell them. <laughs> right. So yeah. the author has to really come up with good ways of of giving the the character reasons where they can't say them. And and right. I think he does a good job on this. It's, or just certainly does enough of a job. Yeah. Uh, but it's something that's gonna come up. And I think it was one of the Harry Potter books that I read. And like, you know, fuck, dude, if you just tell him this that you're going through this, then everything changes and like five hundred pages of the book are solved. Yeah, I know, right. <laughs> I, you know, I th- I'm going to go ahead and say I'm with you on that. Uh, I hadn't really thought about it that way, but it's a very flimsy way to hold together a plot. And it's, it's, I don't know. I don't mean to, I don't mean that in a blanket way. I'm not criticizing Zelazny or any of the other badasses, but um, I, I'm with you. It kind of, kind of needles at me a little bit too. Um, yeah. yeah. All you can do is say it and everything changes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it's the whole thing. Yeah. Um, so we have that kind of little small moment. And then uh, we have Greymock uh, again, uh, hanging out with snuff. They're just, they're hanging out all the time now. That is just kind of what they do. Yeah. You notice that, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's like out it's in the just, open. Very frequent. Exactly. Uh, they talk a little bit uh, about the curses that uh, Jack and uh, snuff are under. And they, they talk about, um, Talk about the game. Mm-hmm. And I was looking for something right here. Anyways, maybe I don't remember what I was going to say. Well, I mean, this is, you know, more questions and answers here, right? The, do the games always get confusing at some point? Do they mess up the players' thinking ideas, values? You know, this is, is this where we are right now? Is this where you're talking about? I think so. This, this back and forth, this quick back and forth. We're still learning more and more about the, the rules and, and culture of the game. Everybody wants to know what's going to happen, and they seem to be turning to snuff uh, to, to find out. He definitely seems to have far superior wisdom than any of the other familiars, if you ask me. I think it's kind of clear at this point, right? Yeah, I think I think you're right on that. Yeah, so people have questions. You know, do they always, does the game always get confusing? Um, they mess up players' thinking ideas and values. Always. Uh, especially as events begin to cascade and accelerate near the end. We create kind of a vortex about us just by being here and doing certain things. Your confusion may trip you up. Somebody else's confusion may save you. I like that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's like things are going to be really kooky, uh, kooky toward the end here. Let's see. We hope there's a quote here. I wanted, it's like, we hope the whole gang of them appreciates all this trouble. This is Greymock talking. I'm pretty sure. Oh, this is when she gets blasted, you mean? Yeah, we just, we're about to go into that other kind of realm, yeah. right? Yeah, we are. Yeah. So, yeah, they have a little, before that, they have a little talk, and there's just some nuggets, you know, about, you know, what's going to happen, how's this work at the end. But, yeah, the main, the, the, the pivotal part of this uh, of this scene is, of course, there, um, Greymont besmirches the names of the of the Elder Gods, and uh, pays they pay dearly for it. And so it seems. <laughs> I um, love that she calls it <laughs> It's just like, again, the one I'm not, Nayar Larthatep, yeah. uh, Cthulhu. Yeah. And then she goes and she refers to, and all the rest of the unpronounceables. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is pretty great. Very clever. Very clever. And then she's so a little winsome. Makes me wish I had a nice, simple job catching mice for some farmer's wife. Which is a What's little bit of, of foreshadowing past for some of the other characters and perhaps her. I don't know. 
right? Uh, so then they're up on like his little dog area, right? And kind of looking yep. out. And we have this uh, storm coming, and so they take um, they take shelter by a rock, uh-huh. and the rock has these this writing on it. Yeah, and then uh, it's uh, somehow Snuff has a premonition or has a feeling, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what he goes. I suppose it must be called a premonition. And then he, he grabs Grey Malk by the nape of her neck and takes her away just as lightning is about to strike her from right. the stone or caused by the stone or kind of thing. Right. Uh, and he says that someone opened a gate to provide means of expressing disapproval of your remark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the door is still open. Apparently. Yeah. So they get uh, they get sucked in to this gateway, huh? And, and, they do, and, so, and where do they go? Who do they meet? So, um, yeah, so ultimately they we're talking about the cat, but I, a little, I'd be remiss if I didn't make a little bit of, um, Lovecraft context commentary here. If you don't Please. mind, no, I need that. So I'm going to, I'm going to skin something for you here. Um, HP Lovecraft's writing is often divided into two cycles. One of them is called the Dunwich cycle, which is the moody, atmospheric, New England, creepy, you know, vibe that I love so much. And the other one, which is far uh, of less substance I mean, in terms of volume of the writing, is called the, the Dream Cycle. And it's uh, based heavily on an author named Lord Dunsany, who mm. preceded Lovecraft. And so this is called the this. These are uh, journeys in the dreamlands. And this is straight from from Lovecraft, who, who lifted it from Dunsany. I do not like this aspect. I do, I do not like this Lovecraft. So I'm just going to go ahead and tell you some people love it. Uh, it's too much for me. It's too too ethereal, and I don't know. But but this is this is an homage and uh, directly in that vein. So we go flying through the dimensions, basically, right? Okay, that's cool. Yeah. That's good to know. Thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. So, uh, is it just is it too? Uh, it's just too out there, or is it just not as? You know what? And I, it's not just me that complains about this. So not that I need validation, but uh, when you're doing something like this, which is almost like a, a, a mild acid trip while you're, you know, writing kind of a thing, it's, uh, um, it can just get really meandering, you know, and then, and H.P. Lovecraft was given to, to name places and you'll see that in, in, in this, uh, passage too, but, you know, he starts naming proper places and then we flew over the mountain of Kadath and then we flew over the, the high, high halls of the, you know, the ebony kingdom of, hullabaloo you know and it's just but anyway i'm you know i hate to do that in front of in front of the listeners but i just want everybody to know what's up here so so this is the first section where i started skimming a little bit right i think i think i might also have the same uh uh you know that's 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 exactly what i was getting at and and again there are other people who also mentioned that how this is where you wish the chapter were shorter you know (laughs) Yeah, yeah, completely. And again, but you know, it's like, but, but hats uh, off to Zelazny, though, right? This overt homage, I think, is pretty, pretty classy of him. So, yeah, exactly. So this is what we're doing. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna fully go there and do the whole homage. But yeah, there's about three or four pages here where it's just like I'm skimming, 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 <laughs> skimming, skimming. <laughs> I was right there with you, brother. Right there oh. with you. We do. <laughs> We do meet a significant um, godlike character here, though, huh? We uh, do. Who is it? This is this was pretty great. I, I enjoyed this part. Yeah, we meet the we meet the high purring one, who is, uh, <laughs> essentially the 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 deity of all deities to all things feline, and um, of course, uh, Gray Malk is very deferential to this in a you know almost in a worshipful fashion, and uh, she has a dog with her, so of course the uh, the great high cat has questions about that, but ultimately, <laughs> ultimately she gets a good vibe from snuff and can tell that, that it's all good. He can, he can stick around and see whatever's going to happen here. That's right. He pulled me out of a well, says gray Malk, and right. cast me back from the elder one's lightning. It's like, he is welcome. Yeah. Hello snuff. <laughs> Seriously. Right. Dude, that's, that's a good friend, man. Yeah. It's fun to picture the, uh, the big ass cat. Hello. I know. Yeah. So mm. I don't, I think high purring one is the only, closest thing to a proper name we ever hear from. From uh, from Gray about uh, our snuff about about this cat, but so yeah, um, there's a you know we have a we have a prediction uh, toward the end of the chapter there. Uh, I may be skipping over some stuff, but when 
when snuff asks for a truth, a truth, uh, but uh, yeah, I was maybe stuff in between there. Maybe stuff in between there. Well, I was curious. Like, so that's what I remember from this too is uh, how it affects snuff and like you know says like yeah he asked for, like what does tomorrow hold for me right like what right. was the big lesson for the cat what was the big lesson for Greymock or anything or did I miss that and they go off by themselves at one point I think don't they so we yeah, don't know what okay. was, we don't know what was said out there um, but this is you know we can assume they're talking about substantive things that the, the dog doesn't need to hear but uh, right yeah. So what is what is the prediction when Snuff asks what does tomorrow hold for me? What what does tomorrow hold for him? Uh so we hear this uh cryptic statement. Blood sees and messes of it all around you, and you will lose a friend. Go now through the gate. So with, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, with those foreboding words, she's no just, kidding. Get on right? out of here. <laughs> yeah. So we don't know. We don't know what this all means, but but there's something imminent, and it's going to be dark. So. Yeah, so and it that, is. That's kind of cool, foreboding, foreshadowing. And then at the very, very end of the chapter, we get just a little hint of uh, that snuff has a place like this as well. That I don't know if all animals do, but at least the cats and the dogs seem to. Uh, it's just kind of uh, says dog napery is a lot less lush than Celephius. Mm-hmm. I said as we walk, what's it like? He goes, I'm back in a primal wood with an old wolf named Growler. He teaches me things. So we've had Growler mentioned earlier in the book. We have. Um, and yeah. he talks about he's going to go off and learn, uh, I think it was tracking or like how to walk more silently. Yeah, that's like right. That. He just casually says, I'm going to sleep and I'm going to go visit Growler. Yeah. 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 So I think that's that's kind of cool. Yeah. It's like, is this, is this the equivalent of the, of the high purring one? Is this growler, you know, the canine equivalent of the, of this feline deity? One, exactly. One thing. Yeah. And the last line of the chapter is another one of those, again, game recognizing game and game recognizing superior game. It's like tonight yeah. growler and I would ramble till we fought and I was beat. Yeah. That's awesome. You, you're not going to gloss over the, the, uh, the cat deity giving snuff hell with her smart elecky. <laughs> I did not gloss over. I enjoyed it immensely. It was great. <laughs> well, you know, this cat's got to take a pot shot at this dog, even though he's she's graciously accepted him into her fold and all that. It's still going to be some ribbing because these are animals, right? Exactly. Cats. These are mortal enemies. So <laughs> the, this this deity says to Snuff in a in a very regal voice, uh, "Carpe baculum." This flowery Latin phrase that sounds you know just just wonderful. And what we find out what it actually means is. <laughs> Go go fetch a stick. Seize go the stick. stick. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. Go fetch a stick. So funny. So she's just she's tooling with a tooling. I mean, he's tooling with a tooling with snuff. So exactly. I just think that's kind of great. <laughs> um, that brings us to chapter October twenty third, and this is uh, this is, I believe, the longest chapter so far in the book. It is a humdinger, as my granddaddy would have said. This is this chapter is a it's. Uh, it's it's dense and it's important as hell and it's long and it's a lot of stuff happens. So this is this is one of those super chapters in the book. Yeah, I mean the twenty the one we just went over is pretty pretty damn big and important. Yeah, well, yeah, I know it was. Uh, but yeah. this is uh, that's almost like setting us up for this. And it, it starts off with Snuff finding a black feather outside his house, and he mentions that it could be a spell opener, could just be a stray feather. And then he, he takes it away and pisses on it, which I thought was <laughs> I thought was kind of great. It is <laughs> very visceral. Yeah, exactly. And I think they're they're wandering. The he sees some props, you know, Frankenstein's monsters footprints, perhaps. Uh, looks like, but then he meets up with Larry, and uh, what are they going to do? They're going to go investigate i do believe so hard to see if they find us that center that location that they're kind of all right. the calculations are for yeah so is this when we ultimately wind up at the uh with the uh al has red icon is this what we're when they're looking around snuff and larry are looking around investigating I things i think i think that's where we're getting to it uh okay what did i what did I, which part did i miss oh i don't know if you've missed missed anything okay. i'm just all right. looking over um so, I th- well, but this is part of where. Let's see. No, this isn't the big long thing. But he, this is where he tells about uh, Snuff tells Larry about Lynette, right? Uh, 
So he, he says, you know, this doesn't require human sacrifice. It just sort of greases the wheels. And uh, so they say they're going to go. He wants to show uh, Larry wants to see Lynette. And but at this point, I think uh, Snuff only knows about her, has not really seen her, doesn't really know how to get to her. So he's going to get Greymalk. Right. Or maybe I need he a cat. to see Greymalk. Who knows? Yeah, I know. Right. He needs a cat often, it seems. <laughs> uh, but as they're talking and, and calculating and trying to just kind of banter and figure things out of what's going on, it seems like there might be, because the, like the, the, the calculations just aren't working. So they wonder if there's a mystery player and someone who's been lying low this time. And they talk about that is a possibility, but normally, normally they can figure it out by now, right? Right. That's right. Yeah. We get a payoff. Okay. Something Snuff has been talking about, you know, like he talked, he kept brings up the fact that nobody can see him smile. Right. So no then when they're talking about whether uh, Larry felt like the anticipation or something was happening where the count was staked. Uh, and so Larry responds, you know, smart eloquently, like, I don't believe technically the count was ever considered alive to begin with. That's not <laughs> quibble, yeah. quibble. And he caught the smile and smiled back. And then I just, you know, it takes one to know one, I guess. Right, right. So we just, you know, right. again, I love it when authors set up, you know, just and then knock it down, you know, three or yeah. four chapters later. Yeah. Um, okay, this yeah, is, I do want to talk about this part. Go ahead, if you, what do you got? No, I'm just saying the, the mystery player thing. I was going to go back to that. It's that's yeah. They it. have a big discourse about that, and uh, you know, it, uh, we kind of, um, you know, we hear we hear Snuff again say, "I'm a watcher and a calculator." Again, do we already go over that? I mean, it's just just. Really, this the repetitive nature of that. It's it's uh, going to prove significant. We can really tell at this point. Okay, so that is is kind of reinforcing Snuff's strengths yeah. and skills. Haven't you noticed he's been saying that an awful lot lately? It seems like three times in the past two podcasts we've done. So, yeah, he does. That is, you're right. That is something he I, I watch and I calculate. Yeah. So. Uh, so then we have we're and talking about something we talked about just a few moments ago. Uh, when he's talking to Larry and they end up talking about, they're looking at uh, where Linda Enderby lives. Uh, and he says, Larry says, I wonder whether Mrs. Enderby's cuttings are taking in. And then we get some interiority from snuff here. He's like, there's my opening. I could have seized it right then and there. I could have told him the whole story from Soho to here. And then he realized he was holding me back. And so then snuff here tells a story about, Another dog he knew, Rocco, who maybe wasn't the smartest dog in the world. <laughs> right. And he said something to him, and he ended up getting the dog killed. Um, let's see. Bouncing about, slaving, single-minded. I called him one day on the street, and he just dashed across, not even paying puppy attention to his surroundings, and he got run over by a cart. Uh, and he kind of uses this as an excuse not to tell Larry that yeah. uh, the great detective is Linda Enderby. Yeah. T tremendous analogy. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. That's uh yeah. I mean, there's, like you said, there's that thin, thin veil that's keeping all this stuff from like seemingly to mesh. And uh, it's a, uh, you're right. That's very interesting psychological struggle. And he draws from his past and, you know, the, the dog crossing the road, had no clue what hit it, and it, you know this sympathy and, and fear for the well-being of another. Yeah, sparks up in him. Yeah, the old sentimental snuff. So again, the fact that we've now justified not telling him twice, maybe a third time already, uh, just makes me think that that's going to be significant. Right. But we'll right. we'll see. Right. Um, and then we find out there's some more more bad shit going on, man. What do we find out right after this? Um, from Quicklime, they run into Quicklime mm -hmm. and finds out um, we got another uh, we got another death, right? Quicklime indicates that Rastoff has killed himself, right? right? Yeah. yeah, and um, or at least it looks like that. It looks that way, and and exactly, he's dead one way or another, right? Well, it looks <laughs> he's that way. dead. There's a bottle, <laughs> right? So uh, Snuff and Larry perform some. Uh, quick snooping around and they find that the, uh, the owl has red icon is missing from Rastoff's place, which is so we changes. Didn't mention, 
we didn't mention that the count's ring was gone, right? Oh, that's right. When that's they right. found him, so so right. so so players are dying, and their magical items are being removed. Right is what it seems to be going on here. Yeah, things are going haywire. Yeah, the, uh, exactly. the description is kind of is kind of great, uh, brutal. So, hung there from a rope, tied to the rafter, wild black hair and beard framing his pale face, trickle of blood having run from the left corner of his mouth into his beard, dried now into a dark scar-like ridge. That's face was purple and swollen. That's kind of good. Yeah, that is good. That's a really good description of yeah. a dead man. Oh yeah, just uh, just gruesome enough, you know. Exactly. Well done. Well done. So. Exactly. Uh, so we got so what does quicklime do? Uh, well, or, uh, go ahead if you got something different. No, no, I was just say it's you know it's out there that that this may be a suicide instead of a murder. That's the the postulation that comes from these guys after seeing the icon missing, and I think Snuff's the one who finally says it. Um, I don't think he killed himself. Somebody took advantage of him while he was drunk or hungover, because this doesn't look like a murder. Um, I mean, yeah, it doesn't it'd look be, like, it'd be weird for like him suicide. to commit suicide, right? Yeah, right, right, exactly. It wouldn't make a lot of sense, even if he was drinking and depressed. So yeah, right. So there's even more. Um, God, tomfoolery going on than we thought. It's just continuing. So, uh, and then uh, Snuff makes a really generous offer, which is not surprising. And one of the reasons we like Snuff and Jack is he uh, he says, you know, quick line, if you want to move in with Jack and me, you can. You know, that's right. It might be you know simplest us. I guess well, something significant too. We didn't mention is that he was a closer, right? So that's now the right. closing yeah. team is down one, and they they had postulated earlier that the count may be an opener, but they also said they would. They would never know. Right. Uh, exactly. So, we so don't there's, know. you're right. One down for the closing team, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And does Quicklime take them up on the offer to uh, to live with he, them? He heads off, as I understand, right? Yeah. yeah. He's just off, goes into the woods. Yeah. He's like, uh, but he talks about Rastoff in, the, in this lovely way, whether it's whether he committed suicide or not, but that he had too much compassion. Yeah, he felt everybody yeah. else's pain too much, uh, which yeah. is a lovely, you know, a lovely thing to say about someone. I mean, not the too yeah. much part, but he, well, you know, he's a tortured empath. You know, he's he's just one of these guys who's eaten up with empathy and just the weight of the world is is much heavier to him than it is to to a lot of folks. It's so f- um, this is an aside, but like you know, humans we're just all we're just built differently. We're all different than each other, and it's. Always depressing to me to hear somebody who maybe has never had anybody who's battled addiction or something like that, you know, just be like, well, just don't do it. Don't take the drugs. Oh, no. Yeah. You know, it's like for you, not taking the drugs might be like fucking eating apple pie. But for somebody exactly. else, not taking the drugs is like lifting the goddamn Empire State Building. So just yeah, exactly right. You're exactly right. And those people who don't know what's going on in others' minds need to uh, take a big old bite of shut the hell up. <laughs> well, well said, yeah. sir. Yeah, and so at the very end of this kind of section of the chapter, uh, Snuff is reminded of the prophecy that uh, the great Purr, uh, Purr, Purr, I don't know, had said uh, that you will lose a friend. Right. So it's just the friend. We don't know, but he's thought of it. So we're heading uh, Snuff and Gray go to the vicarage uh, to figure out what's going on with this Lynette situation, as I recall, right? Uh, that's right. Well, yeah, and they set it up by saying, like, we're all going to go. They're all four of them are going to go shopping. <laughs> Basically, all four of them are going to take a coach and go into town, but they have an hour before they leave. That's right. That's uh, right. And apparently Jill, the witch Jill, has a uh, very cool day-long warding spell, I guess, that will protect their homes, but also capture the likenesses of any attempted trespassers. Right. Uh, right. And part of the reason they're, cool. they're going on this trip is just to see who maybe wants to come uh, to come investigate their stuff. Right. First, Gray and Snuff go and visit the vicar just on their own because they got that hour to kill, right? That's right. Yeah. What happens during that encounter is our uh, our villain, the vicar, makes another showing and uh, has been alerted by Tequila, his uh, albino raven familiar. Oh, that's right. So they get, yeah, they get caught. They do. They, they get cold busted and it's, it turns violent, uh, actually. So... But look at the teamwork here between the cat and the dog when they're united for a common cause. 
So that's right. Been, so the cat is captured, the dog comes to the rescue, then probably the reverse happens as well. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Because uh, yeah, she she resaves him by uh, jumping in, in the vicar's face with claws claws bared. So yeah, they each save each other's life basically here. So have they discovered Lynette by then? Have they actually because they go into Lynette, right? Yeah, yeah, right. I, I think they know about Lynette at this point. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. they know, but they also like they go like Lynette pets them. That's that's right. That's right. Yeah. Right. So they go into Lynette, and then as as they are leaving Lynette's room. And I guess, you know, for for a second, I, I kind of forgot that they were animals. Yeah. And I'm like, right? well, what is Lynette thinking? You know, here, like, <laughs> they're they're coming in. They're not going to rescue her, though. Like, <laughs> Lynette's probably not thinking a dog and a cat are going to rescue her. So she's like, likely <laughs> not thinking they're even sentient. Right. I mean, <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah. So they get in this huge fight. And I love we, we start to get a little. um We've had plenty of demonstrations of uh, of the feelings Snuff may or may not have a gray mock, or certainly the affection here. But then we say, uh, he says pretty much, if gray mock were dead, I was going to kill him. Talking about the vicar. Yeah. yeah. Which is a yeah. uh, a pretty cool, they, just flat out, we get how he feels. Absolutely. Yeah. If if if, if he's killed gray mock, I'm going to, I'm going to kill him. And, uh, so that cosmic justice will be done. Yeah, I mean, obviously, tremendous amount of affection is confirmed there. You're right. Right, and right before this, we got a cool little moment where uh, Snuff talks about, you know, I was basically I'm going to go for the throat, mm-hmm. uh, just as I just learned again or relearned, retrained with Growler. Yeah, right. So we have yeah. like you know this fun non, you know, in the Rocky movies they show us they show him training, and this one you know we just you hear about it that he's going to go with the Growler and train. Right, right, exactly, exactly. And they do, they do escape though, but, uh, they're both kind of beaten up a little bit by it. Right. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Um, they escape, but then they, uh, then they go to town, right? That's right. They get, get back with their uh, humans and they go to town, huh? Yeah, exactly. And they so, say, so go ahead. Well, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, I was going to say, because I mentioned this before, this is the, uh, the one chapter I spoke of earlier that I think is beyond PG 13, um, because of what we're about to see. And it's, you know, I thought the imagery was pretty, I thought he did a really good job of conveying a really horrible, <laughs> you know, part of the culture back then. And, um, you know, it's utter savagery. And, you know, it's just, it was, a. Uh, I just wanted to let you know, this is what I meant. I think it kind of gets R rated here just cause it's so heartbreaking. So, yeah, I would agree with you hundred percent. So what happens? They're all four of them are together. Jack tells stuff says, let's meet in an hour and a half. We've got a few esoteric purchases to make. So basically they're, they're splitting up almost like a, double date kind of thing the right right humans are going to go hold hands and shop and uh, cat off we go going to do the same right uh only only <laughs> that i heard a, a problem behind me two men huh? with clubs had sprung from another doorway and were already upon me swinging them i tried to turn upon them but it was too late i loved this i heard the vicar laugh right before one bludgeons fell on my head uh last sight was a gray mulk streaking back up the alley so, so yeah. crap. <laughs> so yeah. And of course, it's the vicar again doing all this. So we've got a somebody snatched snuff from the street, and uh, it doesn't it doesn't look well for a while there. It doesn't look good after he comes to. Yeah, uh, and they it's, set it's him the up. Vicar. It's the vicar. I'm sorry. Go ahead. And what? he set him up like so. We 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 realize one that these animals they can be hurt. You know, we kind of kind of knew that, but now we know it viscerally just from the section before. And now, you know, now they're outsmarted and, yeah. and they capture snuff. And let's talk, let's talk a little bit about what what we see here. I don't this was shocking to me. Yeah, it is. I don't, I'm not going to read any of the, the pros, I don't think, unless you see fit to do so. But nah. it's, so back in these days, back in Victorian era, I think probably um I don't know. It may, may have continued longer than we we'd like to think, but anyway, there were these these people called vivisectionists, and they. I, I was talking to uh, talking to um, my girl who's a vet, and uh, she said that that's not a commonly used term anymore. It's a very antiquated term. It was more des- description of like a cultural thing rather than a, a medical thing. But so they vivisectionists basically would experiment uh, on awake animals. Uh, including but not limited to, you know, um, you know, internal organ harvest and cut, cutting arms and legs off. And it was just horrendous, horrendous stuff. 
all in the name of science usually, but you know, uh, it's just, just horrible stuff. So snuff wakes up and he's in a vivisectionist lab and he looks around and that's the horror. That's when the horror sinks in. Right. It, so, it really is. And I think yeah. Zelazny, I don't want to read any of this either, but he does an excellent job of, of demonstrating the horror from purely informational uh, description, but then also he compounds the horror with just the, the, the conversation between the vivisectionists. Oh, I know. I know. And they're just doing their job. <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, what they That's- do. You're exactly right. I mean, it, it's they're just going about the day, cutting up, you know, uh, talking about normal things, and they're doing this horrendous. You know, doesn't that remind you of so many different things historically, though? Like, you, you know, you hear about the the poor folks who were uh, flipping the switch on the uh, on the gas chambers in Dachau, and they didn't even know what they were. They were just going about, you know, it's just their job, right? And it's just, yeah, it's spooky. It's very spooky. It it's, is uh, incredibly spooky. I also yeah. like how he has. Because you're wanting, obviously, Snuff to get out of this, and you you're in. You know, again, we have interiority of Snuff, like trying a the trick that we would want him to try. Like, okay, play dead, and then like, yep. you know, bust yep. their ass, and they're onto it. They're ready for it. You know, oh this yeah, is not their first rodeo. They're no, uh-uh. totally ready yeah. for it. Even with a strong uh, dog like Snuff, that's exactly right. It's like even okay, first, you know, very businesslike of Snuff. Here's what I would normally do, but no, 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 they're they're ahead of him on that jazz. Yeah. And then we have an unbelievably satisfying scene. <laughs> what happens? What happens next? Take us through this. Well, I mean, you know, I want you, I want you to do it because I. But stuff gets rescued, right? He does indeed, and uh, yeah. the the mechanism is just very, very cool. Uh, Zelazny uses onomatopoeia to signify the curse that Jack is under. You know, we we don't know a, a whole lot about the details of, of Jack and his power and how this works. Uh, uh, but we get to see him in action here that he comes with Greymock who you know, clearly escaped and found uh, Jack and then, then tracked him and leading him there. And uh, it's described as uh, a zip, <laughs> a high pitched whine descending to a low throb in about three seconds. each sidle weak. Humans can't hear it. Just the dog can. And it accompanies the main curse circling at a range of about 150 yards initially. Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of badass. That's the onomatopoeia of which you spoke. And I'm going to tell you, it was probably the most effective incident of onomatopoeia that I've ever read because I can, I feel like even though you're not supposed to hear it as a human, I feel like I can hear the zip. It's a, yeah, almost like a convergence of like electricity, you know, I don't know. It's just crazy, but I loved it. I thought it was fantastic work. And I thought it was perfect actually. Me too. And then the way he, uh, it, it, the interspersion of the interiority of snuff with the conversation of the vivisectionists, a little bit more action and just kind of this kind of countdown and you just building of the tension is just fantastic. Knocking on the door, you know, gets yeah. harder and harder and harder and then crashes through. It's just all built so well. Yeah. Yeah. The, the conversation, the vivisectionists, uh, they're uh this is probably not their first shooting match when it comes to someone busting into their lab so they're very they're very game right even when jack pops his head in right exactly they're not scared these are big scary men who do big scary men things yeah how dare you interrupt a piece of scientific research boyo you know that kind of thing they're they're saying to jack as they grab their knives and uh close ranks that's right. And Snuff has let us know that when this curse fully embodies Jack, that he really has, Jack is no longer there. Almost probably what, how Larry is talking about what happens to him at a full moon. You know, he just right. kind of, it's just the the possessed version of Jack. Yeah. yeah. And, this, and this line here is so great. Yeah. Uh, the One of the vivisectionists, the beefy one, says, I guess yeah, you've never met a man who really knows how to cut. Which is just lovely ir- irony. I know, right? <laughs> you don't know who you're up against, boy. That's right. You and probably was, never held a knife before. Oh, really? Not like, yeah, not like this guy. <laughs> exactly, wrong, right? Wrong, wrong dude, man. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, you're that Jack. My bad. Right, right. Exactly. Um, so I want to. I do want to read this last section here. Yeah. It was into him, and that funny light came into his eyes, and his hand came out of his pocket, and captured starlight traced the runes on the side of his blade, which we remember as readers, uh, him collecting. 
Mm-hmm. Well met, Jack said then through the teeth of his grin, and he continued to walk straight ahead. Savage. <sighs> Savage. So great. So great. Can't you see him? This His effect changes completely to this pure, like, destructive energy for a moment. Yep. Just dark and it, it, it's on. You know, it's described earlier as like a black tornado surrounding him, settling inward. So it's like he... He becomes possessed of the bloodlust, whatever's involved with this with this curse and this this his situation. It's super well done. Super well done. Yeah. It's just again very satisfying. You're right, because we do get all the horror, uh, the great description of just how terrible that is. And then yeah. we get that great payoff to the people. Absolutely. Do that to animals. Absolutely. Uh the next chapter, October twenty-fourth, uh so they come and they check the wards. You know, it was very cool. It's a cool spell. I would like to have that spell. I guess we have that with, <laughs> ring, with ring doorbells now. But, uh, right. you know, they say and it was the people who came by were Nightwind, Cheater, and then a wolf that they don't know, right? They, this is not Larry. Uh, right. But it is another wolf. So what the hay's up with that? Um, I guess we'll find out. I guess we'll find out with a nice little laying of cl- clues. And then, uh, then we come to here. We we have the whole like, yes, Lynette, the thirteen-year-old virgin is being <laughs> she's <laughs> she's trapped. Uh, she's going to be a sacrifice, right? And, and they're like, Larry's like, he told me that he intended to rescue Lynette, but she was safe enough for now. <laughs> <laughs> and I get it because like the whole thing is like you know if they escape her if they get out to now then uh, I guess they'll just go get another thirteen year old virgin. That's right. That's right. Um, <laughs> so now. you know let's just let her chill. Torture placeholder, them. right? Yeah. Placeholder. <laughs> I thought that you was know, pretty funny. You know, one thing that uh, I think, if you don't mind, that we kind of need to talk about in the last chapter though was how the. The scene in the vivisectionist lab was sort of the fulfillment of the cat's prophecy to Jack. Yes, I did. We did forget to say that. Partial fulfillment of it anyway, right? So, Is it partial? Uh, well, you know, so he says he says about the old cat, I realized that he had been right about the seas, talking about seas of blood, and the messes too. I wondered what sort of light they would give. So, um, you know. Tying it all together, what that cat said, trying to give it some meaning and anticipating what what it means further in the future, because it's proved proven correct thus far. With the is that what he means by what sort of light? He means like what? What do they? What does he mean by that? Um, I believe that's didn't that reference to what the cat said actually said. I thought they were. I get it must be. He's a blood messes, and then something about a light. You lose a friend, and there's a messes and seas of blood, right? Right, and that's it. Yeah. So we're the Torth, we've wars, we find out, uh, uh, what is it? how do you pronounce it? I, it's not tequila, te- tequila, tequila, tequila. I think we tequila. decided on tequila. We'll stay, yeah. stay consistent and use tequila. So she is, tequila's watching, uh, no interaction, but the, the tequila's got, got the eyes. And of course, tequila was helpful in capturing snuff. Um, right. We're not going to rescue Lynette because they'll just get another Lynette. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then we have, uh, just the curses We're back home at Jack's house, Jack and Snuff's house. And now the curses are out, um, which is just, you know, kind of fun, kind of crazy. This whole, this whole big kind of action scenes coming up here. Yeah, this is, uh, this is, yeah, we're getting back to the creatures, right? And, yeah. Uh, they're starting to, we knew they were going to, something was going to they were going to reach some sort of a crescendo. Exactly. They were working the weak spot of the mirror. We had uh, other things. And so now we see what happens when they get out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Snuff goes crazy and Jack and Snuff get to work, man. Yes, they do, man. They do. And we got a, we got a, uh, tracings and blades and, uh, and all kinds of uh, calling upon powers uh, that would cleanse the place. That's and, right. We uh, learned that Jack has a has a, a a wand, like a magic wand. Right. But not just that he has one, but he has two magic wands. In fact, mm. we learn what his big powerful game artifact is, and we hadn't learned this before. I don't think. Uh, no, we maybe we had the closing wand. The closing which, wand, yeah, which exactly. was also in his possession. So he uses one little wand to help the the slithering curses mm. uh, get back into the bottle. And then we also learn a little bit more about him because while he is master of the knife, or vice versa, which I love, that's fun. Right, yeah, right. 
the knife is not technically a game tool, though it may be used as part of the game, is the embodiment of his curse as well as a special source of power. Mm-hmm. That's kind of fun. That's kind of yeah. It's kind of like this is independent of the game. This is just who he is. You know, All right. Uh, this is the curse he carries, regardless of the game. Yeah. I wonder if we're gonna get we find out whether like you know. Oh, did the curse come about because of what he did to the prostitutes in Victorian England, or did he have the curse and that's why he did them? I don't know if we're gonna. If it, I don't know if it tucks in that. And I guess I, I don't want to know, but yeah, I'm, I'm wondering that myself. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah, it resolves <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. So we uh, we have this long fight scene. I don't know how much uh, you want to go into. Snuff seems to hear Growler, which yeah. was cool, kind of giving him, you know, like take out the leg or whatever, you know, advice. Oh, right, right, yeah. Um, and Coaching it becomes it. yeah be- it clear that this whole thing and this big storm that is going on is a is is a magical storm. Right. So they are out for Jack and Snuff big time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So they, uh, you know, we end with a good, good show snuff from Jack and, uh, they, um, what happens at that point after the, after the things, the fight with the things, I forget. Well, we get more kind of glory shots of, uh, of, of Jack and how, how cool he is. And then he does the, um, we see Jack do the magic. Is that all before the good show? Yeah, that's all before. Okay, so yeah, so yeah. we get that. We have more cool Jack Powers, and so now they've got these dead curses uh, that they've killed. And <laughs> who comes over? Jill and Greymall, right? That's right. Our 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 yeah. partners, <laughs> even though who we're opposites. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and so Snuff it strikes midnight, so Snuff can talk and says, "Hey, why don't we take all these?" Uh, these curses and put them in the wicker baskets at Owens and we burn right. them and run like hell. Right. Uh, exactly. So that's, that, that's pretty fun. Yeah. All right. We're going to October 25th now and Greymock and uh, Snuff are hanging out and they see um, uh, Takela sleeping and Greymock's like, you know, fuck it. I'm going after the, I'm going after <laughs> And uh, but uh, she's unsuccessful. She says she was clumsy and that the bird was fast. Yep. Um, yeah. D- damn fast, apparently. Uh, yeah. She ends, ends the sentence with a damn. Yeah. And then we find out that there's been another another death. Another player is gone. Who is that player? <clears throat> they go kind of. Uh, I guess Greymo kind of it's, checked it. So it's Owen, right? It is Owen. Yeah. So they took the curses, put them in the baskets and burned them, and then but somebody else killed Owen and put him in the basket and burned him. That's right. That's uh, right. Owen, pretty pretty insignificant character thus far. So you know, n- not a massive loss, of course, uh, to to a re- the common reader, I wouldn't think. But uh, what does it all mean? But yeah. So yeah, where does it fit? Yeah, Was he an opener or a closer, or do we know? Uh, we do not know at this point. We don't know. Okay. But I think I think it's mentioned later on. I got gotcha. you. And they end up talking to uh, Owen's familiar, who was a squirrel. Yeah. Uh, forgot his name. Cheater. Cheater. Yeah. yeah. So, and this is an interesting little section. It is. It kind of a, it kind of goes off a little story within a story kind of a thing about about Cheater's backstory, right? Yeah. Uh, and some more uh, magical powers. Right. Uh, we kind of learn a little bit more how this works. I guess Owen apparently to give Cheater his specialness and his ability to be a familiar with supernatural powers uh, did a spell on him that took away his shadow. His shadow, yeah. But also gave him uh, a powers. And I guess now that Owen is dead, we're going to spend some time trying to get his shadow back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, shadow, he also... What is Snuff calls it? He says your shadow or your is it not empathy? What is it? Your oh gosh, I'll find I'll find the quote in a minute. But yeah, okay. so we're gonna yeah. Cheetah wants his uh, shadow back. He wants uh, feels he's missing just a substantial part of himself because of it. And uh, even though he's got these other powers like the ability to almost fly and things like that that Owen gave him. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get together as a team and try and uh, get him his get him his shadow back. 
So that's right. And cheater it's require and, some rituals, I would imagine, wouldn't you? <laughs> I would. I think it'll, it'll be ritual heavy. I do believe. Yeah, right. So you talk about. They also in this conversation kind of take stock of like help the reader figure out the game tools here. So like, mm-hmm. uh, what's involved? They remind us about the wands, the icon, the pentacle, and the usually the ring. And they're just saying, so are these deaths related just to that? Are they trying to get, uh, you know, just the sources of power? They're trying to figure out what's going on. They talk about. Uh, link his death to Rostov's. So it'd be strange to consider the killer as one player, though, with Owen and Oprah and Rostov a closer. So, yeah, so people are dying on both sides. So what's up with that? You know, they're trying yeah. to figure all that out. Yeah, I know. Um, and then we have a little hint that, and a reminder, there was a little bit in here, we didn't talk about it in one of the previous chapters, but wondering and being nervous about people switching sides. So apparently that's mm-hmm. something you can do. Mm-hmm. Which is that seems yeah. unusual to me, but that's kind yeah, of I, ab- absolutely. It's like, well, it's one of those things. It's like, well, that's not fair. You shouldn't just be able to do that. Kind of like the not showing up that they did that year. It's like you can't just not show up. But <laughs> what do we know? Apparently, you can. So, yeah, these are the variables they have to deal with on a complex basis every every so often. So. Yeah, and so I got to be honest here. Uh, this whole long kind of section of the ritual and getting his shadow back, I kind of this is another. This is the second time I kind of just did a lot of skimming. Skim. Yeah, I agree on this one. I don't know why it didn't really hold me. Um, no, but I, I legitimately agree with you. It was it was okay. Now they're gonna get the shadow back, and they're gonna pin the shadow and drag the shadow. And okay, well, this is good. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it, was not, it, was not it was not particularly engaging. I appreciate what it. I appreciate it for what it was. You know, which is yeah. tender, get get your love back. You know, get your heart back. Ten man kind of a thing. But it's uh, you're right. It was. And, and what does Cheater do when he's back to being just a fully s- squirrel? What's that? What does he, he do? Just, what does he do? He just leaves, right? Yeah, no, he goes back to the woods. He's like, <laughs> he's like I'm done. Yeah, out of here. Oh, That's God. right. Yep. All right, so October 26th, chapter, slow day, no rounds to make. Uh, we've got reminders that the curses are in the bottle of port. Um, and we've got a, a counter with the wolf, who is not Larry. Right. <laughs> and so this is, a, we're introducing another character. You know, he's been introduced. This is our first really interaction with him. We're at 78% of uh, the novel. Right. And we're getting know, the first right. kind of encounter. So this is coming in late. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I don't get a sense at all. I, I'm very curious what this player is going to uh, be because it's just like, it almost is like a regular guy. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. I know. It's, it's definitely a wild card here. I know I've said that a couple of times about people, but truly, this is really a wild card. It's like, like you said, 75% through the story, this friggin' other wolf shows up. And uh, yeah, and uh, who of course converses you know fluently with with snuff and you know just like you said like a regular dude. Yeah, he's just like I'm just wondering. I saw some weird stuff going on. I'm wondering if it's okay for me to hang out. And snuff gives him advice, like you know, like he does. He some does. Weird shit's going on. So just chill and just relax and you know stay out of the way, dude. Yeah. Yes, and um, you know this big the mystery wolf calls snuff by his name at the end of the chapter. You remember this? And uh, I do. I, like I, I noticed it when it happened, which was fun because everybody would, you know, and then, and snuff acknowledges it at the end, which is cool. Yeah. Which he had not offered. He had not offered his name. So this Ex- guy, exactly. This wolf knew snuff. Uh huh. And is just playing dumb and innocent probably, but we don't know. Exactly. Uh, now we get to our last chapter for the week. It's October 20th. Greymaw comes by again because that's what Greymaw does. Wakes uh, wakes Snuff up apparently. And what happens here? What do we got going on? Well, we uh, we had an incident uh, at oh, the good doctor's yeah. place, right? That, that Snuff re- that she right, another attack on a on a player. Absolutely, uh, place got all burned out, and um, so we got uh, like you know, uh, you wonder the significance, you wonder the source. And you wonder the ultimate result. So, completely. So, uh, the the great doctor and his uh, his assistant, they're not confirmed dead, but we don't know where they are. Right. We know the monster ran off to the barn, which apparently the monster does when there's any kind of like big strong disagreement. And then Snuff chases down uh, the great doctor's familiar Bubo. Mm-hmm. Only he may not be the great doctor's familiar. What yeah. a, who is he? Who's Bubo? 
Well, um, Bubo's the rat, of course, uh, reference to the bubonic plague. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, so they, uh, snuff goes and, and gets Bubo and, um, I love yeah. how Bubo is, uh, he's obviously scared of snuff cause we, they had the interaction earlier, but he's really scared of Greymock. And so basically they use this thread of Greymock to, uh, have him talking. It turns out Bubo is not a familiar at all. Right. He's just a smart rat who saw that like, Hey, this shit's going down. These pets of these other people uh, seem to work together and like our friends kind of help each other out. Yeah. That sounds like a pretty good life. I think yeah. I'll do that. That's exactly <laughs> right. He looks and sees this, this bond between the two and this, and the, you know, all the love. And he's like, man, like you said, this be a good way to live. I'm going to, I want some of that. Let's exactly. <laughs> so we, we finally have the solve to this big problem of why the right. calculations aren't working. It's not that there's a secret player lurking about, it's that they've made the calculations thinking that the great uh, doctor was a player. Was a player. That's right. When he's yeah. not. Yeah. It's winding up, isn't it? So, yeah. Yeah. That's, so that's pretty fun. That's, that's really very cool. And again, at the end of this, this is the scene, it's, it's longer than we're going over, but it's, that's, that's the big point of it. And then at the end, we get this very nice again, like, hey, Bubo, come live with us if you like. Yeah. You don't have to live in the bar. You can stay at my place. It's warm and there's plenty to eat. Yeah. Uh, which, again, is just... Shelter. Our yeah. heroes are good, you know? Yeah. We, we like our Jack. We like our Snuff. We've seen them be both badasses. We've seen them be vulnerable. We've seen Jack be the hero. And so that Absolutely. is kind of where we stop off. And we just okay. have now 28th, 29th, 30th, and 31st. We have four more chapters left. Right. We know the calculations are about to be solved. So we got a fun next few days. Yeah, we do. Uh, Stan, real quick, Georgia, the line mm -hmm. is, what is it, 13 and a half, 14 and mm -hmm. a half? Mm -hmm. Are we covering or not? Uh -huh. are we, first of all, are we winning? And then if we're winning, are we yeah. covering? Yeah, you want the prediction? I'm just going to go ahead and give it to you because it's the day of. And, you know, I, I've got us, much like I predicted with uh, when we played Auburn, I think we're going to win by a touchdown. All right. And that would be just fine with me because this this thing scares me to death. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm nervous too, and to uh, to to uh, placate my nervousness, I'm going to overcompensate by saying we will, we will cover. You're the man. I, I love it. Got it. Well, it's music we'll to my ears. I love to hear that. Uh, Smurfs, thanks again for doing this. Yeah, buddy, uh, we thank will you, resume man. very soon, uh, and we appreciate it. Uh, Dana Dagahoe, Until we meet again, go dogs. Go dogs. <laughs> <laughs>